thoughts, views, beliefs, and opinions expressed in this program are not necessarily those of our affiliate networks. and welcome to episode 10 see i don't like this mic it's in my way now i can't be steven episode 10 of the shadow initiative paranormal television with author and ghost hunter rick hale and this guy steven episode 10 man yes. i cannot believe we made it to 10 yes we've had some excellent guests we've we got have. some excellent guests on the way and, and, and speaking of which, before we go any further, I do want to give a shout out. They didn't ask me to do it because, frankly, I don't listen to anybody. But, okay. you know, I thought it was really cool. You know, we had a great interview with Keith Linder um, for our midseason finale. Yeah, and, Keith was uh, a great guy. He's always man, a gracious individual. Dude sent, he sent me his new book. I've been, mm -hmm. I've been enthralled. I've been captivated. I've barely scratched the surface. This is a really unique book, Rick. Have you read this? Uh, I have read bits and pieces of it, it but is, I read the first two books. Uh, you know, we read a lot of paranormal books, and mm -hmm. this has a very unique attack to it. Um, right. I was very impressed so far, and I'm sure I'm going to continue to be uh, impressed. Uh, so that's a little shout-out to Keith. If, if you guys enjoyed that interview, grab the book. You're getting my seal of approval, and I'm only like a third through it. So, yeah. Next, yeah, um, go ahead. He, hold on, I was just going to say, you know, he definitely has an interesting take, and we saw that on the show, on our last show. Uh, he definitely has an interesting take on the poltergeist, and I, I really enjoy his honesty and how candid he is. Yes, it, it's it's always awesome to hear an alternate view, because you, right. you just never know. I mean, we may not necessarily agree with his take on it, mm -hmm. but. It's his take, and it's his story, and, and it does have substance, and it does make you think. Okay, maybe, you know? Yeah. Um, I recently did, you probably know this guy, um, Jerry Pauly. Does that name ring a bell to you? Maybe, um, maybe not. Vaguely. Um, he does uh, hillbilly horror stories. <laughs> and uh, he Love picked, it already. He, he had me on his show this this past week. Oh, man, you're really turning it on, aren't you? Oh, oh man. I, I didn't talk like that during the show, though. Uh, no, not at all. We didn't talk anything hillbilly. He don't even sound like a hillbilly. It's just because he's from Kentucky. Um, mm -hmm. But his show was really successful, and uh, he asked me to be on. It was kind of a last-minute thing, and um, he had yet to... Uh, it, it, it's it's podcast, and he, he wanted to jump into video. Okay. And... Um, he, he asked me, he said, would you care? He said, because you do all this video stuff. You're kind of used to it. He said, would you care being the first guy to kind of, you know, break the mold on that for him? I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. So it was kind of like yeah. a last-minute thing. I just happened to be free. Let's do it, you know? Well, this was less than a week ago we did the show, and um, I go out to the mailbox, and Mr. Jerry sent me his book. Wow. Now, what's cool is Jerry's not an investigator like like you and I. 
Okay. The, this is like a collaboration of, of stories and stuff he's heard from guests and uh, like his perspective from the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. Demons, Depression, and Redemption. So that's my next book to jump into. So I had to throw a shout out to those guys. I think it's really cool because they're part of our circle, Rick. They're what we're trying to to grow, you know, and bring back is I like that, you know. Yeah, like minded like people too. finding each other. Yeah, and you know, and I think that we also we uh, we like to showcase people who aren't investigators, but people who have a story to tell. And you know, let let let's face it. Two-thirds of everything paranormal is all stories to tell. That, yeah. That's how I think it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, so talking about investigating, um, a couple days ago I contacted uh, Dale Kazmier. Remember we had him on yes. a couple of weeks ago. Yes, he was ago. our first guest. Or no, second guest, wasn't he? Second guest. Second guest, yeah. yeah. And was our um, first yeah, I mean, he's 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 a great guy. I really have uh, a lot of respect for his work. He's going to be uh, coming north of the city here, and uh, I'm going to be doing some work with him uh, this summer. Excellent. Yeah, so he's going to be coming up to uh, my neck of the woods. So if something gets going on, we might have to bring you back on the show so you two can talk about it. Definitely, definitely. So I mean, you you have your you know your your hillbilly. Uh, radio show that you're on we could do like a whole chicago thing you know like hey, look at this freaking guy right here huh <laughs> hey hey I, I promise you right now that one day i will be out your way and you and i are gonna work i know together. you will we're gonna work together and we're gonna film it we're gonna put it out there and let people see exactly how it's done um come what may right i love you too yeah. rick no i was talking to my wife now nah, man Everybody I was saw my wife, no. not you. You went, I love you, just like that. So, what do we have on the show for the day? What What do our lucky viewers win? What do they win? As if as if this isn't enough. Um, I know, right? Our our beautiful faces every week on YouTube. I'm considering a twenty four seven live stream of just myself. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not willing to uh, look watch in. That. Look in on Lancaster at any time and see what he's doing. You know, I'm actually kind of starting to get sort of bored with my playlist on Spotify, so I need something to help me sleep, and I think that might do it. <laughs> I don't know. It might give you nightmares, <laughs> dude. <laughs> it might have an adverse effect. I, I tend to have that. Um, but we got we got another Ghost Watch. What you doing for Ghost Watch? Well, since we didn't have a uh, Valentine's Day show last week, we're kind of doing it this week, and I'm going to be, pre yes, there it is, I'm going to be, throw them up, I'm uh, presenting, <laughs> you know, uh, a day in 1929 that will live in infamy here in Chicago, and that was the day that seven guys at the SMC Cartage felt the love of the king of crime himself, Al Capone. So I'm going to be... Uh, talking about the St. Valentine's Day massacre that happened here in my uh, hometown of Chicago, Illinois. So the regulators, you can mount up. That's right. It's one of yeah. those shows. Bullets That's are going right. to be flying. I'm going to have to throw in some effects. Yep. That'll be cool. Maybe I can do like the Matrix slow motion thing. I'll probably fall down. <laughs> in my old age. <laughs> Use my use use my use my Lucille to to help me get down. That is the second time you picked that up today. I, I think you're really well, uh, wanting to use that. Third I, time. 
third time, I, I'm, I'm going to start laying down the fucking law. That's <laughs> what's going to fucking happen. I'm getting sick of some of these paranormal conversations I'm getting dragged into on Facebook. Uh, they, they don't want the wrath. Anyway. Oh, yeah, that's another thing we're going to be talking about today, too, is uh, paranormal awards. Yes. That caused quite a bit of stir earlier in the month. And, uh, wow, uh, I, I think that both, uh, both you and I have some very strong opinions concerning the paranormal awards or any kind of paranormal awards for that matter. Yes, and as a matter of fact, um, Rick and I, we're going to be giving out Paranormal Awards to our fans. Um, mm. Yes, you know, because you guys see what we do on this show each week. And uh, the first prize is going to be a gold empty cigarette pack from cigarettes that I've smoked on the show. Okay. The second prize is a silver pack of cigarettes that I've smoked on the show. How many cigarettes do you smoke? <laughs> hey, you stress me out, man. <laughs> now your wife does too. Okay. <laughs> and 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 the third prize, the runner up, will get one of the Zenner cards that we used during that episode. Oh, you tested my psychic ability. Which one's this, Rick? Uh that is a uh, triangle. God, oh, so close. Oh, so not even close. close. There's a triangle right there. Yeah, but it's an arrow, so we got to be conservative and technical here. Anyways, now we're just kidding about the award. You guys ain't getting shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least he's honest, ladies and gentlemen. And we've got, uh, we're going to bring the paranormal news. So there's some cool news. And Rick, no lie, this is a legit story. And I do mean legit to where I believe it. And there was okay. a government cover-up, and it's about Killer Jello. Killer Jello. So the Killer Gelatinous Cubes of D&D are real? This shit really happened. Okay. <laughs> That's a segment waiting to happen. This shit really I happened. Am, um, I, am, I am dying to hear this. Yes. I wait. It's a fake. Real gelatinous cubes. Yes, it's great. That's coming up on the show. Ghost Watch is coming up on the show. We're going to talk about the lameness of paranormal awards that are out there. None of you guys mm. have even heard of this stuff, but we have because we're in the paranormal field. Um, yeah. And we're going to talk about that later in the show. So with that being said, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Check out this commercial. We're back with episode 10 of season one. Hang tight. Make fun of somebody in the chat, preferably Rick, and we'll we'll come back with some award talk, <laughs> which I'm sure will be very productive. You guys, <laughs> stick around. Do you have proof of the paranormal? Want to see your story and evidence showcased on our show? Email shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. With questions, comments, your paranormal stories, evidence of the paranormal, or just anything you'd like to see on our show. Your story and evidence may appear on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. That's ShadowInitiativeTV at gmail.com. And welcome back to episode 10 of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV with myself, Rick Hale and author and uh I, I don't know some 
guy there in North There's Carolina. Uh, Stephen Stephen Lancaster. It's a so whole printout. <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> so yeah. So okay. Now earlier in the month there were there was some there was. Go there, on. Go on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're not going to burn the house down with that cigarette, uh, are you? No. Everything's fine. Not yet. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> so, earlier in the month, there was quite a bit of stir in social media concerning the Paranormal Awards. I'm sure you saw that, too. Correct, Steve? Yeah, it was quite the stir. Yeah, it was quite the stir. Now, it, I, I, I may be uh, over-exaggerating. I, I, have, I have been accused of that with uh, certain things. But um, yeah, it did cause cause it did, did did cause a bit of stir because um, there's been paranormal awards around for years. Okay, been been around for a couple of years now. Now here's the deal. I don't know about you, but I am a big believer in people being um, given the respect and the credit that they're due. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you do something great, you should be. Um, recognized for it. I don't have a problem with that. But here's the problem that I do have with the Paranormal Awards. Okay? It has become somewhat of a popularity contest. Steven? Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I didn't know if you were done before I no, go. No, I was done. On a long yeah, diatribe. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Here's how I feel about the Paranormal Awards. It's literally... They are their own clique. They're right. their, their own right. group of people that are constantly patting themselves on the back. They have zero to do with the scientific community. So when we when you've heard us talk in the past about the divisions of the paranormal field, there is the television division that fakes mm -hmm. everything and misleads everybody. There is the division that Rick and I are a part of, which is legitimate paranormal research and study and then there's the other group of people that no matter what they do it's paranormal and they're the next greatest thing and blah 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 and i've when it first started years ago i took a look and these were names of people i never even heard of okay right. and then then i would go a little bit further okay and say mr such and such and I would go and look at maybe the two books he self-published, you know. And then it's like, okay, well, where's why are you getting this award? Where's your contribution to the scientific community that was so captivating that mm -hmm. you are being recognized? And, you know, yeah. it makes me – and I'm not patting us on the back because, you know, mm -hmm. our stories tell themselves. But we have shown shit on this show that blows anything away that are that is being awarded to some of these other people just because they're friends of this person and this person and like you said and summed it up it is a popularity contest it has nothing to do with right. their actual uh research yeah you know i mean i what I, i've seen a few of them there was the higgy pop ones and then there was uh yeah. some others mm -hmm. and the ones that um it, it, it just seems that it's the same people over and over and over and over again who are being nominated and who are winning the awards. And it kind of sort of shuts out other people who are making um, 
you know, really great contributions to this field. You know, and, and, and it's like that I said, I, I have no problem people being given credit where credit is due. I think that's wonderful. But you got some people that they got to where they are on the backs of others, mm -hmm. stabbing people in the back, lying, faking stuff, and then all of a sudden they are the next big paranormal thing. And, and, and it's just, you know, I, I call me old-fashioned, but I believe in paying your dues, being diligent, and actually having real talent. Just because you think you should be famous doesn't mean you should be. I absolutely agree. And when and when you uh, worded it that way uh, on Facebook, I think I saw something about actually having talent. That that's across the board. That's in the film yeah. industry. That's in the music oh, that's industry. You know, nowadays it's not even a matter of talent. It's just a matter of a product you can market. You know, there, right. there are people out there calling themselves musicians that are the furthest thing from it. You know, yeah. you look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, and the people being inducted into it aren't even musicians. They're entertainers. There's a right. difference, you know. But that, that's just a pet peeve of mine. And, and the same goes to, to the whole Paranormal Award thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And don't get us wrong. Um, Rick and I aren't bitter about this because we've never been given <laughs> anything. No, yeah. Hey, actually, you know what? I was nominated for um, for a paranormal award a few years ago, and they wanted me to do like all these videos and stuff like that, like pressing myself and, or putting myself out there. And it's like, I, I, I know this is going to come as somewhat of a surprise to you, Stephen, but I don't really like talking about myself. It, it's not it's not something that I do very well. And it's like they wanted me to get out there and, you know, kiss a bunch of butts and, you know, tell everybody why it is that I, I, I want this. And it's like, I just, I can't do that. That's, that, that's, some, that's something very difficult for me to do. It's, uh, you know, it's like a real sincere modesty, I guess. Right. Yeah, you know, they probably didn't. It, what was it for? Most boring? Was it? That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I did, I did. Sexiest ghost hunter in the world. No, it was, it was because of my, it was for my first book. Oh, okay. So okay. we're going back to like 2014. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Pre, pre, pre leg incident. Um, pre leg incident. Yeah. So I, I did the, the, the Australian paranormal expo last year and, <laughs> uh, they wanted a video like you're talking about. And mm -hmm. I gave them what I always give people. You know, I I did not do what they asked. And believe believe it or not, oh, believe it or not, um, you know, they put it up on their big screen and all that because I could not physically be there. I wasn't traveling to Australia for a 20-minute lecture. Um, yeah. So I gave them a 10-minute video where I showcased some evidence. I talked about this, that, and the other thing. And it went over better. And they even admitted it to me. They're like, we're glad you didn't do what everybody else did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's what you asked me to do. So, of course, I'm not exactly. going to. You know, because I'm not, because a lot of the other people were the TV people and, and right. the fame seekers and all that. I'm not going to name any of them, but um, I, no. thought it was, I thought it was cool they asked me to contribute. I just did it right. in my own way. But now here's the thing. Because of all the backlash that this 
got. Um, and also from people who were bitter because they weren't, um, you know, nominated or didn't win. But due to all the backlash that, that, that the Higgy Pop Paranormal Awards received, they shut down. He's, he put like a, the, uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember the, the gentleman's name who started it, but it was a really sincere written post about how he started this to recognize people in the field who deserve to be recognized. So it's like, I respected that. And it, it's just, it really does suck because there are good people who were being nominated for the work that they had done. And there were people that uh, were receiving this for, for, for very well done work. And now they're out because the people who were bitter because they weren't nominated or because they didn't win or because it had turned into a popularity contest, now they will never receive the recognition that they deserve. And that's, that's kind of sad to me. I don't know about you. Uh, it, it's sad, but at the same time, I have confidence in what you and I are doing and, and mm -hmm. the mission statement of this show. You know, look look at already nine episodes in what we've shown people. We've, we've garnered an audience for it. Um, right. And, and it's the audience that we want. We don't want mm -hmm. the Zachites and the people that, oh, this is a, everything's a ghost. And, and, you know, we've brought on Ann Massey and Keith Linder and Dale. You know, we've got a schedule of guests coming up, guys, that you are, you're just not going to believe. You're going to love it. You know, Sean Bonnie. Oh, our next guest is awesome. You know, Sean Bonnie telling his story. And, and, you know, so we're getting that. We're getting that credit out there to, to we're showing the real people. And I think we're doing our part, man. You know? Yeah. And, and I'm happy about that. So when it comes to those awards, you know, I would probably kind of be a dick. You know, I'd be a tactful, respectful dick, but if they had come to me and said, hey... We, dick, nonetheless. Right, I mean, they, 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 if they were to come to me and say, hey, we want to give you this award for such and such, uh, whatever, video, whatever their damn categories are, best radio show, um, mm -hmm. you know, I would respectfully decline. I, I really would, yeah. because I don't want my name tied to that kind of thing. Now, now, if the Nobel Peace Prize or the Pulitzer Prize wants to send something my way... I will gladly accept because that's 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 my jam, as Rick would say. Right, that's my jam. That's my jam. You know? Yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things where I think that um, uh, the paranormal community over the last fifteen years or so has kind of become very trendy. Um, you get people involved who, you know, they they don't they don't really care about the phenomena they just care about being known um one of the things that i say sometimes about the paranormal community is that there's too many personalities and not enough persons right Indeed. and yeah well we we do have that we have everybody it's like they they have like a gimmick they have um uh you know like take zach for example I, i'm i know that i don't really like you know downing on zach but when he did the when he did the documentary, the guy dressed like my uncle, <laughs> you, know? you know, with like with like the khakis and, mm -hmm. and the shirt, you know, and all that. When he came back to do the television show, all of a sudden he's like this goth industrial kind of guy with the boy with band. The, uh, he looks like he belongs. Yeah, in a boy band. 
Yeah, with with like with the silver jewelry, and he's all like dark and spooky and stuff. And it's like, man, all I will say to to what I to what I want to finish with this here with myself is, man, just be yourself. Yeah. Don't be a personality. Well, it's like one of our, our one of our shadows nailed it the other day when we were having that conversation about Zach mm-hmm. and our group. Um, and if you guys haven't joined our group, you can follow the link here on the screen. But uh. You know, he said he knows people who went to high school with Zach, and Zach was never even into the paranormal. But no. now, but now he makes it out like it's been his life. You know, the same can't be said for me. You'd have my friends come out of the woodwork right now, and they would say, "Man, back in 1994, he did this, he did that." You know, it was always a part of me. You know, right. there's there's right. nothing fake at all. But uh, anyways, with that being said, let's take a quick break. We're gonna come back because I know. Right now, our, our viewers are thinking, Killer Jello? Killer Jello, Man, gelatinous cubes. They're probably thinking, thank God they're, they're doing that segment before Ghost Watch, so I can just go ahead and leave afterward. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I, Dick. Uh, anyway, we wouldn't be doing Ghost... Uh, honestly, since I produced this show, guys, I wouldn't be producing Ghost Watch if I wasn't finding it entertaining. So, anyway, I'm just playing thank with you. Rick. And I'm sure, and I'm sure, Mr. Uh, Peter Underwood, who I uh, have, you know, continued this from, would appreciate that as well. The legacy. The, the legacy. The saga. See, we gotta keep, we gotta start weaning into the little Star Wars thing we talked about earlier. Anyway, so guys, we're gonna take a quick break. Check out this commercial. When we come back, we're talking Killer Jello. Yes, Killer Jello, not like the Blob, but kind of like the Blob, and how the government covered it up. This is a true fucking story. So you guys stick around. Do you enjoy reading about the paranormal? Check out the highly rated literary works from us, the hosts of Shadow Initiative TV. Paranormal investigator Rick Hale offers you the geek's guide to the strange and unusual, poltergeists, ghosts, and demons. Bullets, booze, and babes, the haunted history of Chicago and Illinois. And behold, shocking true tales of terror and some other spooky stuff. But if you're thirsty for more, I bring you true case files of a paranormal investigator and dark spirits, a man terrorized by the supernatural. But if you want to go even further, dive deep into the dark reality of haunted dolls. Check out my paranormal bestsellers, Norman, the doll that needed to be locked away, and Norman 2, the true story of a possessed doll's revenge. Available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and wherever fine books are sold. I'm gonna bring us back. Welcome back, guys, to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV with Rick Hale, with Stephen Lancaster, and now we are going into the paranormal news. And it doesn't get any more paranormal than this, Rick. I have sent Rick the picture. <laughs> I have sent Rick the picture. And uh, you guys are now seeing it on the screen. What you are seeing... Okay, just to put this to scale for you. Hey, Steve, I got two of you here, man. There's like one big one and one little one. Let's shoot for three. So, okay. anyway. Hey, you know, my wife says the same thing. <laughs> uh, anyway... Mm, back to reality. Uh, so what you're seeing on the screen, guys, is this killer jello. 
okay? Mm. But it's not just one killer jello. There were thousands of them. And I know at this point, Rick, you're probably like, what is this? And everybody yeah, at home, they're just thinking, come on, man, get to the story. So, let me bring up my notes here, Rick. Okay. And, and honestly, I should probably put on my sunshades to block the rays of bullshit that came from the government, okay? You know, <laughs> we all know that the government is infamous for giving the worst excuses for paranormal phenomena. Whether right. it be back with, um, uh, uh, God, what was their names? Um, Barney and Betty Hill saying that they didn't see a UFO, they were looking at Jupiter. Right, right. Okay, or those kids that were throwing rocks at a UFO and hitting it, but no, the government says they were throwing rocks at, fuck, who knows, it was some, Venus, I think it was Venus. You know, yeah. but here's the thing. I, I think that I think that the government does, if there is a cover up, because I am by no means a conspiracy theory kind of a person. Mm -hmm. But if the government is covering it up, it's not because they know too much. It's because they don't know jack shit what they're dealing with. So it's kind of like uh, they they make it seem like they know what they're dealing with, but they really don't. But they and they so they cover it up. Well, I used to think that they're really lame excuses were to make the story itself just seem that much more ridiculous mm -hmm. so people wouldn't even take it seriously. But I'm going to tell you this story, right. Rick. And this happened in 1994, which isn't that, okay. that long ago um, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but, but anyways, there have been reports throughout history of strange things falling from the sky. You know, you've had right. incidents of rocks and stones falling from the sky, Frogs. frogs and fish right exactly uh the birds not that not too long ago remember all the birds that uh died and were just dropping off left and right um mm -hmm. on august 7th 1994 in oakville washington a mysterious substance fell from the sky that puzzled civilians and scientists everywhere in the place of rain was a gelatinous material that would continue to fall a total of six times over three weeks. Okay. By the afternoon on the first day, half of the town of Oakville had become ill. They claimed they were struggling to breathe, had blurry vision, and they were nauseous. A civilian took a sample of this killer jello because she kept it in her freezer, just like almost the movie, like the blob. They did that in the blob. Right. Um, and she sent it to a microbiologist. The guy's name was Tim Davis. And he examined it and said it was full of, and forgive me for this, eukaryotic eukaryotic cells. A cell which is present in certain living creatures, which means he believed the reigning jello to be an actual living organism. Okay. okay. Eukaryotic cells, cats, dogs, plants, um, just fungus, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. So they're probably, I probably have uh, eukaryotic cells because I'm such a fun guy. Right. <laughs> anyway. You're killing these people. Uh, all right, so back, back here. All right, so now enters the government. Now mm -hmm. keep in mind, this happened six times over the span of three weeks. The government said that the military, uh, the Navy, was testing bombs out in the ocean. 
and they mm-hmm. blew they blew up a school of jellyfish and the pieces went flying over Oakland. Okay. However, and giant lizards attacked Japan. Right. And and there was a big <laughs> moth too. Uh, anyway, so they're saying they blew up jellyfish and sent it flying over Oakland and that's what rained over Oakland. Okay. okay. But scientists and even a microbiologist, a microbiologist would know that that was a piece of a jellyfish. Correct. Okay, that would that's a no-brainer. So their excuse is just BS. All existing samples of that jelly have been lost or mm. stolen. Okay. Okay, so when we look at the excuse from the government, if it truly was pieces of exploding jellyfish, certainly microbiologists would have identified it immediately. Yeah. The government explanation certainly didn't fit with all of the people who became ill and all of the medical documentation that followed in which no doctor could actually label the cause of the illness. Half of a town, okay. they could not determine what caused it. And another thing that makes the government's excuse BS, that if they were literally admitting fault to this, there would have been a slew of lawsuits against the military. Yeah. Because they oh, just... A, a, yeah, exactly. And exactly. the government and all that. So with that being said, Rick, what do you think? Well, first off, if it wasn't for the for the near, near the eukaryotic cells, am I pronouncing it correctly? Right. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, close enough. Whatever. Right. Um, I would, I would be afraid that there was, uh, you know, something seriously wrong with our environment. Um, but yeah, something that, some kind of a cell that's found in, um, in animals being found in this says that would tell me that it is something biological. Now I'm not a doctor, I'm not a biologist or a microbiologist or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I would think that it's definitely something that is, uh, strange and uh, uh you know something odd now i'm reminded of a couple of different things throughout history there have been um stories of uh sky beasts that have been seen flying through the air okay and people have called them dragons people have you know think that they're real dinosaurs you know mothman or whatever but like these gelatinous kind of weird things flying through the sky that 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 has that has been documented going as far back as the dark ages another thing that's been documented is what they used to call angel hair now i know you've heard of angel hair Mm -hmm. steve you know having written you know read about anomalous phenomena this is another odd substance that has fallen from the sky um covered towns and cities all over the world this isn't just with one uh town like in like in this this has been this has been found all over the world so is our government covering up something strange? It's like, man, just like the person inside me, it's like, I, I hate conspiracy theories. I really do, uh, because some of them are so cartoonish that they're to the point of ridiculousness. But yeah, I do think that this is, uh, this is something that the government might be covering up. I mean, obviously, it's not a jellyfish. And even, I mean, I, I've, I've been to the Shedd Aquarium you know, thousands of times throughout my entire life being a native Chicagoan. And uh, I've seen jellyfish. This is definitely not jellyfish or a piece of a jellyfish. I agree. And, and to happen six times over such a small period, you know, how's that? What, did, did, did half of it go up in the air and just hang out for a while? 
and then mm -hmm. drop again the next day. I mean, come on, guys. You know that it doesn't jive. Yeah, but you know what's interesting about that is is um you know when we talk about things like fish and frogs falling from the sky. I mean, I have heard some very credible uh, theories about why that happens. That when there's tornadoes or they mm -hmm. suck all that up into the sky and then it you know comes back down. But that is something that has been well documented. Like right. this has happened. People have seen this. You see, you know, uh, tornadoes going over water and sucking water up into the air. But this, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying that whole idea that bombs were going off and they were testing ordnance and, you know, that this is jellyfish. I'm just not buying that. I agree. So what do you guys think? Hit us up in the chat or comments if you're watching this show after the fact. What do you think about the killer jello? Does it make you look at jello different? You know, I eat a lot of Jello because it's like I, I, I stick to a I know I, I stick to a very low carb diet. It keeps the weight down, and uh, keeps the cancer away. But I, I, I may have to rethink about my dessert options. Bureaucrat. <laughs> Maybe eating some killer Jello. Those eukaryotic cells, man. Yeah, and, you know, and we we also kind of nerded ourselves out here, you know, knowing about gelatinous cubes from uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but. Uh, yeah, you know, the, what, what, what were some of the um, uh, symptoms, again, that these people were experiencing? Uh, nauseousness, I know, was one. Um, blurred vision, uh, difficulty mm -hmm. breathing. Those were the three main things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I just don't know, but I'm not buying what the government has to say. No, not at all. So with that being said, guys, we're going to jump to another break. We're going to come back. Rick's taking the reins of the initiative with Creature of the Week and Ghost Watch. Rick's got double duty this week. No comment? Uh, no, none whatsoever. <laughs> All right then, guys. So we'll be right back. Looking for unique handcrafted gifts or accents for your home, office, family, or friends? Check out Shadow Creations, your one-stop custom shop for one-of-a-kind designs for the eclectic mind. Unparalleled Creations by Christina. Like Shadow Creations on Facebook at facebook.com slash cflancaster and stay up to date on her daily releases available to you and easy to find at etsy.com slash shop slash motley by Christina. Shadow Creations, a little motley, a little curious, a little bit different. Browse Shadow Creations at etsy.com slash shop slash Motley by Christina. Yeah, thanks. This will, uh, I'll, I'll be able to eat this while Rick's doing Ghost Watch. He'll give me something to do. <laughs> uh, hey, buddy. Hey, man. <laughs> we, we've got an official sponsor. I gotta, gotta keep this in the frame. I don't know why I'm yelling. Some there, huh? Yeah, it's it's my stepson's birthday, and he brings me food. <laughs> I like I like how things work around here. This is taken from my second book, 
Bullets, Booze, and Babes, The Haunted History of Chicago and Illinois. So, ah, Valentine's Day. A day when you shower the love of your life with all the flowers, candy, and all the love they can handle. In actuality, it marks the one day of the year when scores of panic-stricken men ransack the card and flower aisle of grocery stores all over the country. If you've never seen it, it's quite funny. February 14, 1929 was presumably no different in terms of the desperation felt in the modern day. Men scurried about for cards and candy to show their lady love. But that particular Valentine's Day in 1929 would be one not remembered for love, but it would be remembered for a bullet-ridden bloodbath. On that day, a horrible stain would be left upon the city of Chicago when the news broke out that seven men were ruthlessly gunned down in the near north side SMC Cartage Company. Leading up to the massacre, the gangs of Chicago were engaged in a war to control the city. On the north side, George Moran, the boss of the Irish gang, was locked in a bitter struggle. Moran was barely holding on to his territory and illegal booze operation to keep it out of the hands of the notorious gangster Al Capone. Capone controlled the South Side gang, but wanted the entire city of Chicago to himself. Capone had liquor to sell, and a city made thirsty by prohibition was eager to buy it. And Capone would commit any atrocity to make that happen. As the war raged on, many of Moran's and Capone's men died in the conflict to control Chicago. The local police did their best to control the chaos, but they had two things working against them. They were woefully undergunned, so many cops were on the take. You never really knew who you could trust. Capone, being the criminal mastermind he was known for being, hatched a brilliant plan that would bring this gangland war to an end in his favor, but would also make his booze the only booze Chicago would ever drink. On February 13th, Capone ordered one of his men to place a call to Moran and inform him a shipment of Canadian whiskey was on its way to the city. The caller, further, the caller further told Moran the drop-off point would be the SMC Cartage Company at 2122 North Clark Street the following morning. The morning of February 14th came, and Johnny May, a well-known safecracker, was repairing a truck in the garage at the SMC Cartage. Standing nearby was his faithful German shepherd, Highball, an ever-vigilant companion, Early that morning, six of Moran's guys arrived, telling Johnny that a shipment of whiskey was on its way. Johnny was already made aware of the delivery and told the street soldiers to take a seat and cool their heels. An hour later, all those in the SMC cartage heard a car pull up in front of the building. I'm sure all of Moran's guys thought it was payday. But when they looked outside, disappointment gripped them. The vehicle that pulled up wasn't a delivery of illegal whiskey, but rather a marked police car. Three uniformed officers and two plainclothes detectives exited the vehicle and rushed in with guns drawn ready to do business. After taking a look around the garage for anyone who might be hiding, the cops lined the seven men up against a back wall. Moran's men were convinced they would all be going to prison that day. Instead, the police opened fire on the seven men when the smoke cleared, not a single man was left standing. All seven were dead. 
The only witness to the slaughter was Highball, and he wouldn't be talking to anyone. A short time after the killers left, Highball began to bark and howl. The landlady in the next building was annoyed by the dog's incessant barking, so she called the police. When the police finally arrived, the real police, they were already aware that SMC Cartage was an illegal liquor drop-off. However, they were not prepared for what they would discover inside. In a back room, they found the bodies of the seven men laying in an inky red puddle of blood, their bodies riddled with hundreds of bullets. The police knew instinctively this was a gangland hit, but not like any hit they've ever seen. This hit was meant to convey a message, and that message was, get out. When the word of the hit reached Moran, the Northside boss flew into a violent rage. How dare anyone on his turf kill seven of his men? When Moran finally calmed down, he sat in his chair, became thoughtful, and simply stated, only Capone kills like that. With the murders at the SMC Cartage Company, Moran had lost the war to his bitter rival. And where was Capone when the hit went down? Hundreds of miles away, basking in the hot sun of his Florida retreat, Capone was victorious, and all of Chicago now belonged to him. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, it has become to be known, is a tragic yet important episode in the criminal history of Chicago. It taught us that violent people walk among us and will do anything to get what they want. The SMC Cartage Company no longer exists, having been torn down decades ago. All that exists in its place is a vacant lot to, commemor to commemorate a ruthless murder that ended an even more ruthless war. But that vacant lot on North Clark is anything but quiet, as the dead from its violent past still reside there. Those who walk past the lot have reported numerous strange, even supernatural occurrences. The spectral forms of men have been seen standing quietly in the lot, seemingly unaware of the world around them. The sound of men screaming is carried on the breeze around the lot. Residents in the neighborhood are reluctant to walk past the lot for fear they may encounter something that is not supposed to exist. And the paranormal activity does not stop there. When Al Capone finally went to prison, his fellow inmates would be awakened in the middle of the night by the notorious tough guy screaming. According to the guards and inmates, Capone screams, Please, Jimmy, no! It was believed that Capone was being haunted by one of the men that he had gunned down in Chicago. Further supernatural occurrence seems to come from the bricks of the wall that bore the scars of the bullet holes on that fateful day. Anyone who has ever owned one of the bricks from the wall the doomed men stood against has met with some kind of misfortune. Owners of the bricks have reported suffering serious illness, divorce, financial problems, and even hauntings. It would appear that these bricks just might be cursed, and whoever owns them may be experiencing what those seven men experienced all those years ago. I'm Rick Hale. This was Ghostwatch. Excellent. Thank you. You know, I I have walked past that vacant lot so many times. Really? Walking down Clark Street. Yeah. I never really got a sense that there was something strange going on. 
but I'm only walking past it, you know, maybe stopping for a couple of minutes to uh, look at it. But, um, you know, people that live in that neighborhood, they'll, they'll tell you, people that live and work actually in that neighborhood will tell you that they believe that that vacant lot is haunted. And although the SMC cartage was knocked down decades ago, they never rebuilt on that lot because people in Chicago believe that it should be remembered as a horrible part of our history and that maybe the ground is haunted and perhaps even cursed. That's a very, excuse me, very famous story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's, well, it's right. It's, it's, a, it's a part of history, man. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we, we all know it's like, yes, you know, Chicago is a beautiful city. We got a great nightlife. We got good food, good people. But, you know, there, there has been a, um, you know, a lot of violence in our, in our history. And it's, it's going back all the way to the very beginning. And this is only one episode in a long history of violence. Well, let's keep it going. Rick is bringing us Creature of the Week. Yeah. Now, this is one that very few people, unless you've studied cryptozoology, um, actually know about. And we know that we, we have our own Bigfoot, Sasquatch in this, in this country, and, you know, they're all living up in the woods, or, you know, or so they say. Or they're at the Yeti that's in the Himalayas. But what a lot of people don't know is, is that Scotland has its own um, cryptid in the vein of a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch or a Yeti. At least that's what a lot of people say. Now... If you were to ask the average person what celebrated monster is associated with Scotland, most people would say the Loch Ness Monster, correct? I mean, that's, that's obvious. Oh, yeah. That's what everybody says. However, in the highlands of Scotland, there is another monster in what is called uh, the Mountain, or the, uh, Mount Ben MacDewey. And I, and I know I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but... Um, it is another creature that is said to roam. And, uh, and according to some people, it is far more terrifying than, uh, you know, the, the lizard that swims around in Loch Ness. And his actual name that they have for him is called Amfir Leathmore. And that basically just means the big gray man of Ben MacDewey, which is Scotland's own form of Bigfoot. Now, so rising high above the Cairngorms in Scotland is Ben MacDewey. is the second highest mountain in the United Kingdom and is a peak that has been shrouded in mystery for centuries. Uh, people have always been very much afraid to go into or to climb Ben MacDewey. Uh, the Big Gray Man, as he is called, is said to haunt its summit and is described as looking very much like the Yeti of the Himalayas or the American Bigfoot. He supposedly stands well over eight feet tall and is covered with a thick gray fur, which is where he gets his name, the Big Gray Man. According to eyewitnesses, his disposition is quite nasty 
unlike what we know about Bigfoot. Bigfoot has a tendency to sort of shy away from people mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not really want to have anything to do with humans. Not so with the Amphir Liathmor. He has haunted the mountain since ancient times, but has not been actually witnessed until 1891. In 1891, the explorer J. Norman Colley was the first known person to report an encounter with the terrifying creature. Kali, an experienced climber, reported that as he walked on a path close to the summit, he could hear what sounded like footsteps coming from behind him. Kali later stated, for every few steps I took, I heard a crunch. It was as if someone was walking after me, but taking steps three to four lengths of mine. Now, Kali was probably about, you know, your average height of that time, which is, you know, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, five, somewhere around there. So this, whatever this was that he was hearing, would had to have been huge, would had to have been well over eight feet tall. Okay, so his, now, Kali, who was an experienced explorer and mountaineer, his was not the first one. There were several others after him. Uh, there was one in 1904 with Hugh Welsh reported, dragging footsteps and an eerie feeling of being watched. In 45, Peter Densham, a rescue worker, felt a frightening presence. In 1948, Richard Frerer experienced similar sensations as the others before him. These encounters may seem dramatic, but terrifying. However, none were as intense as the encounter reported by a mountaineer in 1958. So in 1958, Alexander Tunian published an account of his of his encounter with the big gray man in the Scots magazine. Few years earlier, Tunian was on a 10 day hike through the Cairngorms. When he reached the summit of Ben MacDewey, he felt the presence of something dark and oppressive watching him. Tunian was horrified when a large gray beast appeared before him and rushed after him. Tunian whipped out his pistol and fired three shots at the creature. According to Tunian, the horrific beast vanished. Tunian ran down the mountain, but never returned. Now, we have all of these witnesses of people seeing this big gray man, but there may be a theory that actually this is not a creature, but rather something that is actually quite um, common in, um, up in high altitudes, and that's something that's called the Brocken Spectre. Have you ever heard of the Brock Inspector, Mm -hmm. Stephen? Okay. So, according to skeptics, eyewitnesses are not encountering a flesh and blood monster. They are experiencing a common atmospheric anomaly called a Brock Inspector. Now, a Brock Inspector is an atmospheric anomaly that occurs when the sun hits the mist in such a way that a person's shadow is magnified on a cloud. Now, I would, I'm, I'm not really the kind of person that uh, goes climbing mountains. You know, I'm just not in that kind of shape. And two, I'm missing a leg. And three, man, that would terrify the shit out of me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, man? I, I, I just could not do it. However, I can kind of understand this. It does give the illusion of seeing a large humanoid. And, you know, I'm sure that you can, you know, put up pictures later of what a Brock Inspector looks like. But I can honestly see that this is a viable explanation. But 
it also at the same time it makes me think that it's like these are guys who are experienced explorers experienced mountaineers they would know what a brock inspector was mm-hmm. so, I, I, mean, I agree are, yeah i mean your you know your, your thoughts on this big gray man of ben mac dewey uh, first thought is, you know, every culture, every continent has their version of an ape-like man. And that dates right. back forever. You know, so it's not that hard and to... I be- host a weekly show with one. Right. And uh, it, it's not that hard to believe that there could be something like that. And there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of evidence in favor of it. And there's a lot of idiots that kind of ruin that evidence. But, um, you know... One question I had, um, is he also, like, in relation to Sasquatch or Bigfoot, is he also blurry? Uh, yeah, Okay, is. okay. I, I, that, I was wondering. I, I was wondering. But, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the explorers, they should know better than that. I mean, as far as the illusion, it's, it's like being in the desert and being dehydrated. Right. Most people know. It's like a mirage. Gonna, yeah, it's a mirage. You know you're not seeing what you literally think you're seeing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I don't know if I buy into that one. Although it's plausible, you know, for yeah. just the average person, you know, because we see it a lot in the paranormal field in general, you know, right. to, to mistake something in your house um, as being paranormal when it's really not. Um, so that, right. but but people who do that kind of stuff for a living, um, they've kind of seen it all, you know, and they're prepared for anything, excuse me, anything. Right. So, me yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because new species of animals are being discovered every day. My uh, my wife Jamie was just reading a uh, article the other day that talked about that there is life being found three thousand feet underneath Antarctica that should not be there. Yes, I read that same article. I was very right? captivated by that organism. Yeah, and, yeah, organism, and like, and not just like tiny little organisms. We're talking about bigger organisms i mean not you know not gigantic by any means but but stuff that is that that is not supposed to exist and yet does exactly i mean we're we're in a world where we we haven't even explored every part of the jungles we haven't even vast areas we haven't even reached the deepest parts of our seas who knows Mm -hmm what is around man and again that's assuming uh, using man-made science that everything needs water and air there could be things right. at the core that that's how they live you know who, yeah. who knows man I, that stuff always intrigues me when i see stuff like that pop up in my google feed i'm there mm-hmm. i'm there yeah you know but but when it comes to something like um you know nessie i'm i'm not I, i'm not convinced that it's a lizard because it would have to be cold-blooded and it just would not survive in a cold lake. I've always kind of thought that Nessie was a um, um, a seal of some kind, like a large, long-necked seal. And I do believe that there was that there are things like that that are in the um, in the fossil record. Uh, obviously, they don't exist anymore; they've been extinct for a very long time. But it is possible that something like that still exists and is inhabiting places like Loch Ness. Um, but I guess we'll never really know until somebody actually captures one, brings it, you know, onto land and, you know, un- unfortunately cuts it up and takes a look at what it's, what makes it tick. 
I said that one time, and the damn paranormal community, it, it, it was like a, uh, a fucking mob on me, man. You know, yeah. we were out investigating. Uh, we're having him on the show, Stephen Barcello, um, here in April. Uh, well-known cryptozoologist, uh, guy he, I've worked with, and I brought him in on a case we had up in, uh, up near Virginia. And um, okay. I had said something on camera that, you know, the only way that anybody's ever, ever going to buy into this is if we find it, I'm going to kill it and drag mm -hmm. it into view. And here it is. It can be examined. And man, you would have thought, I, who you, you know, it was just cry, the attacks. Like, how could you dare mm -hmm. do that? And well, no, I believe it, you know. But you know what? I, I, I'm not the kind of person that goes out, you know, walking around the, the, the North Woods here with a rifle, you know, killing things. But um, this is kind of how science is done, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, it would be nice if you could actually find something like this in nature and set yourself up in such a way so you can observe it and document it without it knowing that you're there. Um, I would love to see that happen. It's it's a losing battle either way. It's the same that I have said um, just in the paranormal field in general. Okay. Mm -hmm. In crypto, let's say you kill it, you're going to be chastised for doing that, but you're doing yeah. it in the name of science and study. Okay. Uh, if you capture it, then you're going to be slammed with moral and ethic code. That, oh, it should yeah. not be kept in a cage. It should not be poked and prodded and, and tested on. You can't win. It, it's, like, it's like I've always said. If you could catch a ghost, like in Ghostbusters, theoretically, mm -hmm. and, and put it on display, it would raise more hell than anything. How could you oh, do no, that I to a spirit? Agree. How could you keep it trapped like that? And it's You can't win. So you just kind of have to bite the bullet, be the bad guy in the name of science. And, you know, what's interesting about this, too, is, is that you would think that mainstream science would have more of an interest when it comes to things like, like um, uh, Bigfoot, for example, because from what people have said about Bigfoot, it really kind of resembles a species of giant ape that once lived in areas of uh, in the, uh, you know, the jungles and the forests of Asia and Russia, which was, you know, Gigantopithecus. Right. Um or you would think that they would also be interested, too, because maybe this represents a missing link in human evolution. Well, some but of them until, are. There are scientists yeah. that, that are, you know. It's just, yeah. and I'm sure Jeff Meldrum. even the most skeptical, they're still studying this stuff. Because let's face it, you know, what scientist wouldn't want to be the man or woman that proves it that unveils it. it it's still another uh moving forward in science it's still another discovery you know so yeah with that being said let's take our last break rick come back wrap up this episode 10 shenanigan and uh just see what happens hang on and come on back wow rick sounds so enthusiastic i would even come back after that if I had, you guys hang on dude, i had a now, come I had a back. burp coming up in my throat. Uh, you guys, yeah, come on back if you want. I mean, I'm drinking. I'm drinking. I'm drinking a pop, man. I mean, it's like I had a. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Soda. I'm drinking a soda, and I had a burp coming up in the back of my throat. 
Alright guys, we'll be right back. Hey my friends, check out my good friend Chris Beck and his work at All Around Art. From lifelike paintings to detailed sketches to phenomenal tattoo artistry, if you can dream it, Chris can bring it to life on canvas or your skin. His art has been showcased in published works such as the paranormal best-selling book Norman 2, The True Story of a Possessed Doll's Revenge. Visit him online at facebook.com slash allaround.art.com. Welcome back, guys, to episode 10 of season 1, Shadow Initiative, Paranormal TV. Rick, Steven, uh, we just had a pretty cool kind of semi-Valentine's-y episode, you know, which involved a lot of death, because that's what's to yeah. be expected here on this show. We talked about a cool cryptid. We talked about killer jello. I mean, where else are you going to hear this stuff, Rick? You know, you know, on we no get an other award podcast for that. that I know of. Yes, we have broken the story on Killer Joe. That's that is it, man. That's gonna be our claim to fame. We're gonna these guys won an award because of their Killer Jello story. That's yep. how we're gonna go down. That is oh, how yeah. we're gonna go down. Oh yeah, Pulitzer Prize is gonna be uh, knocking our doors down. Is Wait, it? I hear them. No, that's not that's not Pulitzer Prize. There it is. <laughs> Or it's an angry mob. It could go either way with us, Rick. <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying to lure us out. And, you know, we talked about the the wonderful Paranormal Awards, of course, and, um, you know, how you guys should look forward to those every year. Uh, I'm practicing my speech. I don't know about you. I've been practicing mine for about 10 years, Rick. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, since at least 1991, I've been practicing mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have I've had so many rewrites. I could actually publish a book on all of my different speeches. Yeah, you know, and just let the fans pick one. Which one do you want me to do? You love me. You really, really love me. Oh God! All right, Rick. So we've got in the future. We uh, I mentioned it earlier. Stephen Barcello, good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent resource for the cryptozoological field he's a great cryptozoologist he owns and operates the paranormal museum in littleton north carolina which i have been to and i will share pictures in my visit there um on the show and uh rick what do we, we got an excellent guest next week my friend why don't you tell our shadows about that we have a great guest for you next week my uh, my my shadows our shadows uh we're gonna we welcome to the show shane Pittman. From the Holzer Files, and uh, this is going to be a great show. Um, the Holzer Files is—I've watched a couple episodes that I was able to find on YouTube because uh, we stream everything and we don't get it. But I have watched some episodes, and it is—it's really well done. It, it's actually one of the few paranormal shows I actually care for. Uh, so we're going to be talking to Shane about his work in the paranormal field. And we'll also be uh, covering a little bit of the uh, great Hans Holzer. Um, definitely my second biggest influence outside of Peter Underwood. Oh, yeah. And I'll have to pull out my Hans Holzer ghost book. 
that gigantic book that you could easily kill somebody with. Absolutely. You could create a ghost with that book. Absolutely. It, it's a it's a package deal. It's it's pretty cool. It's a, a multiple uh, resources can be found mm -hmm. and used. Um, you know, Definitely. interesting story about that book. Um, okay. And I have to see if I can find it just to throw the image up. Um, I took a case in 2009 in Hartsville, South Carolina, where they were actually um, believing they were seeing like a shadow type creature, shadow entity, uh, maybe even flesh and blood. Um, I'm not going to ruin the story, but uh, they lived on the woods line and they had a sunroom where you could see out, but nothing could see in. Okay. okay, it was like the two-way window, whatever you want to call that. And um, anyways, uh, my colleague and I did document a shadowy figure. But the point I'm getting at is when we wrapped up that investigation, we shot our closing thoughts. Um, this house was huge, man. This guy was a doctor. He was loaded um, in mm -hmm. his library. And it immediately stood out to me because the book is so big. And it says ghosts in white really big on the binding mm -hmm. and it's it just stood out. I pulled that book and I'm like I this is something else you know I kind of set it there on the bar he had because um, he actually had a bar in his library too so while while Ryan and I were doing our closing thoughts there sits that Hans Holzer book I nice that, I thought that was pretty cool you know you would never seem to think that that would come from a doctor like I, I had one of my doctors actually when he found out what what my interests are he he, he said to me he's like so is Bachelor's Grove really as haunted as they say that it is? And I said, oh, yeah. He'd been going, he, he lived on the south side, which is where Bachelor's Grove is, on the far south side of Chicago. And he was a south sider. And he, he and his daughter had been going there for years, trying to find evidence of a haunting. So it's like, there are medical professionals Absolutely. that do have a belief in this kind of thing. Absolutely. I, re I ran into, uh, yesterday I, I was in the grocery store, and I ran into these two elderly ladies while I was in line. I didn't actually run into them. And um, I heard they were talking to each other about how times have changed and how these kids today, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And they yeah. were talking about growing up in the 40s. So <laughs> I don't know why, you know, it's so out of character for me. I just, I just jumped in and I said, so you all were around when the aliens landed in Roswell, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Just out of nowhere, I chimed in with oh that. My, and, oh, and, of course, everybody in line, all attention was on this guy. And the two elderly ladies looks at me, and then they look at each other, and then they look back at me, and they're like, did that really happen? And I'm like, what, the aliens landing? Yeah, did that really happen? I was 10 years old. And then she starts talking about something completely off subject, like for the next 10 minutes, about canning tomatoes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what does that have to do with that alien landing in Roswell? I don't even know why I shared that, but I just thought it was funny. Because I love catching people funny. off guard. That's <laughs> what I do. I wish I could Very get paid good. for that. I wish I could get paid for that. Rick, why aren't we making $6,000 an episode? Mm, We're not even making I, $6 an episode. In fact, it's costing I, I, us money to be here. <laughs> Something ain't right. One of these days. One of these days, my friend, stick with me, kid. I'm going to take you places. Yeah, hey, hey, I, I have a five-year plan for this show, so I hope you're buckled in. <laughs> I am. We're going to, we're, you I know, we're not going to forget about who brought us. We're not going to forget about all you guys watching right now. Um, but we're going to take this show places, man, one step at a time. Um, 
And, and you know, if you guys want to throw some donations our way, uh, I can send you an address to write checks out. And um, we prefer four to five figure checks. You know. Oh yeah, easily. I what, mean, you know, money in small. You know, like in you know ones, fives, and tens. Right, know, right. Nothing bigger than a twenty. No, no. And, and it'll all go into the production of this show, guys, which is ultimately for you. So you can make this show however you want. I mean, y yeah, you may see like a Generation One Optimus Prime or something pop up, you know. But I mean, just don't look into it. Just, just don't look into it. You know, here's the thing, man. Some at least one person is going to take this seriously and we are going to receive so much hate in our uh, in our uh, messages and it's like, donations Rick and Steven are asking for money hey you it's don't do that look y'all look for 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 less than a, a a cup of coffee a day you guys could be sponsoring me and Rick and we need sponsored for more reasons than one Okay, if every one of our fans out there sent one dollar, Rick and I could eat at Bojangles together. <laughs> or, or at the very least, afford that cup of coffee. <laughs> yes, instead of drinking soda, which you know is bad for us, it's going to lead to health conditions. Mm -hmm. You know, how long do you guys want us around? You know, help us. We're reaching out to you. Call the number on the screen. Call me. Help us to help you. The first five callers, you will get a 30-minute session with Rick's ESP. <laughs> you can test me with your own Zener cards. Yes. He will try to guess the amount you're going to send. <laughs> Start low, buddy. Start low. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're just going to start lowballing people and hope for the best. So, no, but we are, said, we are working on T-shirts, guys. And we would love we to see all of our shadows get one. And on a serious note, the t-shirts, we are going to only charge what it costs to make them. Plus shipping. So we're not going to make a profit off of it. We just want you guys to be wearing our swag. So we're working on some t-shirts, maybe some beanies, you know, just some cool shit, man. Maybe some bumper stickers so you guys can drive around letting people know you're with us. And when you get them, we want pictures. Absolutely. We want physical proof yes. that you have this T-shirt or will your say, bumper sticker. Look, and then there'll be like a pop-up picture of you in your Shadow Initiative TV, or 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 you know you, you're driving down the road and you see you look over to your right and you see this like car that's multicolored, got a different door on it that belongs with the model, and then you see our bumper sticker. You know, take a picture of it. <laughs> so, but yeah, guys, we're working on some Merc. We'd love to see you guys get it. It'll be uh, MTO. Literally, the stuff will be made to order. The vendor I am currently working with, um, it's made to order. So when you order one, it gets made. It gets sent to you from that vendor. Money doesn't even exchange hands with us. Um, so we look forward to announcing that soon. And with that being said... ShadowInitiativeTV.com is now live, and you can watch every single episode of our show as they finish each week on that website, so you can sit down, you can watch them all, pick which ones you want to watch, and also, we're going to try to be very, um, 
productive with this. Rick and I are going to be posting. We, we've posted two so far, just to, at the launch yeah. of the website. We're going to post some blogs, stories. Kind of slacking. You know, so we're going to try to do that each week, maybe in relation to this show. So every Friday when you get a show, you can go to our website. And you may be watching our show right here on the website now. We would love that. And uh, then you can read the, the new journal entries too, which is interesting stuff. And as always, you can contact us at shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook at the group you see right here. Yes, thank you so much for watching. And, uh, man, I cannot wait to wear a Shadow Initiative TV t-shirt. Yeah, I'm going to get a bandana or a beanie or something uh, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. But definitely a shirt, too, you know. Especially once we get Definitely. get all of our artwork that is being currently designed by the great Chris Beck for us. Those, I am dying to see that. Yes. Who isn't going to want a cartoon version of me? A, a, or a cartoon version of me. Right. You know what I really liked about it? He made me look thin. So thank you for that, Chris. Well, I've, I've already corrected him on that. I told him, look, these need to be lifelike, dude. Lifelike. <laughs> you know. No, the uh, giant Irish head is my wife calls it yeah man i want a cartoon version of me dude so you guys can you'll be able to get that and slap that sucker on your car take it out there share your pictures so it's a good time there you go <laughs> it is so hey everybody thank you for joining us here at uh episode 10 we are halfway through our season one be sure to come back here next week. We are going to be welcoming Shane Pittman of Television's The Hoser, The Holzer Files. It's going yes. to be a great show. Uh, Talked to Shane many times. Uh, he is a groovy guy. He's hip. Yeah, he is. And one, so, one I, of the few television people that we actually like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like uh, one, of, one of the very few because he's a normal dude just yep. like you and I. Well, let's not insult the guy. <laughs> before he's even on the show we'll wait till he's here and then insult him oh man i'm gonna be getting a facebook message what did you say uh, yeah. <laughs> all right guys we'll see you next friday with our very special guest it is a show not to miss we are out of here see you next week rick is going to turn his light on so we can see him better narcissistic bastard um Rick and I aren't bitter about this because we've never been given anything. Yeah, hey, actually, you know what? I was nominated for um, for a Paranormal Award a few years ago. Yeah, you know, they probably didn't. What was it for? Most boring? Is it, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny because it's like my wife saw a picture of you and she's like, man, that guy looks like the kind of guy that needs to pay for sex. <laughs>